you're listening to Character Crusade. So the topic of discussion for tonight is is really talking about mod setup, configuration, testing, experimentation, and uh, Cal and I have been working together uh, for the last few weeks, trying yep. to uh, you know come up with a good configuration of of mods um, on my system with with my kind of unique requirements in mind, but the idea of, of this broadcast was to get together and discuss what we've learned and uh, try to determine how that may impact the experience of not only us, but our both of our listeners slash viewers, given how complex modding can be and, and the kind of um, convoluted interrelationship between some of these mods and the resources they use and all this stuff. So it just seemed like a useful conversation to have. And yeah, so, when you first approached me, mm-hmm. I guess it was about a month ago now, you explained that your computer had crashed and that you wanted to rebuild. And, you know, you and I had discussed over a much earlier podcast about how to build mods or how to build a mod list and, and my perspective on modding. And when you approached me for it, I was said, yeah, this is kind of exciting, you know, a chance for to work with someone else who knows about modding and about, you know, YouTube and the specific things that we kind of look for. And I was real excited by doing it. And over the last, like I said, a couple of weeks after you finally got your computer back, we've had some great conversations about, you know, mods that, you know, some of my favorites, some of your favorites, things that we, you know, neither of us have used but through sharing our you know combined resources to look things up and and say what about this mod what about that mod what does that do what does this do and even i i still remember that conversation we had about ordinator that one night we're like oh my god this does this or oh my god that does this mm-hmm. and how great it would be for this character or that character and it's been a great experience working with you yeah i i i couldn't agree more um i've 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 learned so much not only from your tutorials, but by these great conversations we've had, understanding a little bit more, I think, about some of your methodologies, because there there really is a method um, to the way you do things. And uh, I've got 
a much deeper understanding of what's going on inside of Mod Organizer and the relationship between some of the mods that are in my load order now. Um, I can't say that everything is running perfect because it's not. Um, it's Skyrim. never does. You know, I, yeah, it never does. It, it never does. So there's always something you can be working on or researching. And uh, despite the fact that we've been working together and my game is looking great and running great, I still get the crashes from time to time. I still get the infinite load screen from time to time. I got one last night. Uh, but the fact that I got one infinite load screen in a three-hour live stream is pretty good, um, considering how many mods I'm running and what my track record had been previously. So to me, that's that that's the proof um, that I require um, t- to kind of know that the approach that we have been taking is the right one. So Right. And, you know, I'm looking at your mod list right now. And anyone that's interested, it's www.modwatch, actually spelled M-O-D-W-A-T dot C-H slash U slash C-W hyphen Vander Nightbrook. Nighter, Nightbook? Is it Nightbook or Nightbrook, by the way? Nightbrook. Uh, yeah, it's misspelled on uh, Modwatch. But, uh, you know, that's... I'll go ahead and make a copy of this. I'll post it in the chat so everyone can see the mod list as we discuss it. But uh, that, you know, it's, I looked over that a number of times as we've kind of gone through this. And it's, it's always interesting to see a combination of all the mods that, you know, we do together as far as, you know, combined mods that we look at. And it says I can't post any web addresses. So hmm, remove a new web address, so it won't let me do that. A new thing I didn't know I can post there. So yeah, that's that's the worst. Um, yeah, I wonder if it'll let me do it. It might not. I'm but just wondering the, as a the, channel owner if it lets me do it. The Mod Watch site shows all of Stu's mods <clears throat> and their load order in one handy package. So it's a good tool to have, a good way to look. And compare your own mods to what Stu's got going on or what, what I've got going on. And mine is uh, Mod Watch Dirty Weasel. And, uh, you know, you can see mine as well. But, you know, it's a good thing. And I've, I've seen a lot of things that I'm thinking I would have never guessed that I was going to be on his mod list. But, um, Stu, what, when looking at this, you know, what is your perspective on your needs as a YouTuber who has different characters that you have to play all the time. You know, we talk about, you know, role-playing multiple characters and having to put yourself into a perspective or a mindset for each character. What about, you know, for a mod build? What are your perspectives as far as that go when you try and create stuff? as far as your mod list? Um, you know, for me, I'm just, I'm always thinking about kind of the, the, the two halves of the equation for me are how can I tell the best possible story? So what what are the, the tools I need that give me the control required so that I can control every aspect of the story that I want to tell but how can I do it most efficiently? So in other words, with the fewest mods possible and 
have the best looking game I can possibly have. So, mm-hmm. you know, in, in my particular case, when I'm thinking about something like Five Fables, for example, that's a story that I want to be able to tell from multiple perspectives. And in order to do that, I really need to be able to have multiple character profiles in game and I need to be able to at any given time be able to to launch mod organizer select the character whose perspective I need to see and then launch the game and I need to be able to share certain mods across all of those profiles in a very efficient way. So in other words, if if I'm telling a five fables story which as you know features five primary characters but a number of other characters each each of which have their own profile they all need to share kind of the same world space setup in other words you know skyrim needs to look and function and work the same for all of those profiles but for certain individuals i need to have other things present as well right. and it so it it's constantly creating a situation where I'm I'm trying to build for efficiency across multiple profiles and I have to be concerned about those kinds of things. So if I'm telling the story from Robard's perspective, but Stax is a supporting character in the story, not only do I need to have a mod in there that allows me to use Stax as a follower control him with console commands if need be, but I also need to have in the mix any mods that are required for stacks to look like he needs to look, to have the weapons he needs to have. So when I'm thinking about my mod configuration, I'm always thinking about what are the things that all of these characters are going to have in common across the breadth of all of my profiles and if I have a character in the mix who's particularly complex, and when I think of complex, I think of a character like Julian who's really interested in Dwemer technology. So I may go out, and for the sake of, of his character, I may go out and download five or six different mods that add interesting Dwemer artifacts and devices to the game. However, if I intend to use Julian as a supporting character in a portion of the story that belongs to Robard. Now, suddenly, some of those mods I may need to have now in Robard's mix in order for me to have the NPC Julian use them, right? Right. So I'm always thinking of that balance, right? And it's very easy, I think, in that situation to fall into this trap of loading a whole bunch of mods to support a different character type, not understanding that they're going to cause problems in another profile. Even if they're working really well in Julian's profile, they may suck in Robards because of something else I'm using for him. Right. So those are the unique challenges I have, um, you know is thinking about all of these different profiles because I may have anywhere between 10 and 15 separate profiles, each of which I need to rely on to build a story. So, Right, and that's where compatibility comes in, correct? Mm-hmm. So you can't have a whole bunch of different mods that may not 
play well with each other as they switch profiles, right? That's that's where compatibility comes in. Yes. You know, yes. we mentioned Ordinator and the fact that it was pretty much compatible with everything. And as much as you and I agree that we love a mod like Perkus Maximus or Skyrim Redone or, let's say, for the fanatics out there, Requiem, they don't pl- play well with a lot of other mods. And you need to be able to switch back and forth by having that world space and that, you know, the basic skill set as far as a perk overhaul or something like that, that you can throw in an extra mod that's just for that particular character, but wouldn't work for another character. Right. So that's where compatibility really plays in. So, you know, that was one of your goals and one of my goals when we set out to rebuild Rune Runner is that compatibility that you could plug in different characters and have them kind of all work within the same world space without having to constantly be shifting back and forth and making a thousand patches for each new profile. Correct. Correct. And you know, you're, you're right. It absolutely has to do with compatibility and it also has to do with um, understanding enough about what I'm trying to accomplish from a storytelling perspective to be able to look at the mods in my load order and determine which ones are redundant. Um, we, we've had these conversations as well where we've been talking about, well, if you use this or you use this, you could probably eliminate five mods from your load order, right? right. Um, there's been a lot of that kind of stuff going on. And, and one of the reasons I, I love Ordinator is because it has, in fact, allowed me to eliminate a number of things that were in my load order before, um, you know, that I was using to try to achieve a specific effect. And now... I realize, hey, I can do that in Ordinator. Not only can I do that, but I can do these five other things. Plus, I get a nice perk overhaul that doesn't require patching, you know? Right. So, so many considerations there. But um, when I when we started this little venture, um, we were looking at my revision one or, or the the mod watch list from the first six episodes of rune runner that was archived even after my machine was out of commission that was out there to take a look at and at that time uh i can't remember how many mods i had in there it was a lot right you were approaching about 110 different mods you were 110 to 120 it wasn't that many esps but you had quite a few mods obviously there was a lot of textures and and other types of things but Mm -hmm. you know i remember we i went through your list in i just printed it out i just copied it onto a uh, a notepad plus plus i started making comments redundant redundant and Uh not needed replace with this replace with this and i remember at one point i I'd, i'd made the same comment like six times i'm like how many backpacks do you really need (laughs) <laughs> it, was, it was things like that yeah. but that's what yeah. happens with a lot of mod you know lists and and load orders you get redundancy because you just don't realize you're doing anything oh that's cool oh that's cool but how many do you really need and how much load is that putting on your game with the number of esps and you, right. then you're suddenly looking at 255 and you're wondering how am i going to merge all these things together right but right you know another another mod that replaces so many is Skytweak. And oh you had never used Skytweak before I turned you on to it. Now I heard a, a live stream with you, I think it was last night, where you said, 
it is the role player's best friend. Yes. Because it has so <laughs> many functions. It does. It absolutely does. See, here's here's a perfect example of, of what we're talking about. In the first incarnation of, of Rune Runner, um one of one of my objectives was to obviously increase Vander's movement rate. Um so if if I just go and take a look on Nexus right now and you search for um, boots of speed. So the first thing that I thought of was, well, to accomplish this movement rate, um, I can do it with an enchantment. Obviously, I can do that. And I, I knew that because I believe that Percus Maximus actually has some magic items in it by default that are that are fortify speed. I think it's you can get like the ring of the panther and the cheetah and all this stuff, and it can enhance uh, your movement rate. Right. And so I naturally went to that as a solution, and I downloaded a mod um, that had a fortify speed enchant called the Boots of Nimble Speed. And then I basically uh, disenchanted the boots, and then I would put that enchantment on a piece of gear of my own. Um, well, you know, something like Sky Tweak comes along, and... Now, I mean, one of the hundreds of things I can do with Sky Tweak, hundreds, hundreds yes, is, is I can, I can tweak the speed multiplier on my character, and it's as simple as that. Uh, I've I've added Sky Tweak, and I can change that speed multiplier, and I can have it be different for each one of my profiles, and I can eliminate the need for that that enchantment. Now I don't need it, so that's. That is a mod that I can subtract from the list. Yes, I'm adding Sky Tweak, but Sky Tweak is also giving the, me the ability now to probably eliminate 10 or 12 other mods from my list. So, right, and it does yeah. so much. It's, mm-hmm. it's just an amazing tool. Economy, yeah. the, the, how the NPCs react to you, all the different things yeah. that a, a mod like Sky Tweak does, that is a relatively simple thing using an MCM menu that you just go in and tweak this and tweak that. And if you use it with FIS, which is a, another tool, an SKSE plugin, you can then save it for all of your characters yeah. <clears throat> across the board and you don't have to constantly change it. Yes. I mean, you just say upload FIS. Okay, and it, it changes all the sky tweak stuff. Yeah. And it, it's the type it's of amazing. mod created by a mod author that when you look at it, you're like, oh, that's kind of silly. And then you realize, oh, no, it's not. Mm-hmm. It is a really fantastic tool. Absolutely, it is. So, yeah, it's it's definitely um, mm. one of my favorites. So I just endorsed it. Um, <laughs> I forget to do that all the time. I know. See, I'm yeah. gonna. I'm a man on a mission now. I'm gonna go through and endorse a whole bunch of stuff. But one of my one of my viewers called me out on it and said, "You don't endorse any of your mods." And he's looking at my mod organizer. I'm like. Oh yeah, I don't. I gotta remember to do that because mm-hmm. I constantly load and unload things mm-hmm. and deleting stuff constantly. It's amazing. I forget yeah. to do things like that. Yeah. Well, you know, and I, I, so I, I think through the course of our conversations, we've part of it had to do with me taking some time to just kind of explain to you what my mission was with Rune Runner specifically in terms of what was the story I wanted to tell. And then uh, Cal sent me on this exercise to actually start compiling a list of the things that 
I knew that I was going to need in order to tell the story. So uh, the Rune Runner story would not be a story if you didn't have a mod like Imperial Mail, if you didn't have a mod like Provincial Courier Service, right? Mm-hmm. These, are, these are mods that I know I need to have in order to tell the story. And then there are the mods that are kind of, you know, window dressing, setting the stage. Um, what are the, you know, what are the, the, the props and what are the, the environments that I want to tell the story in, all of that stuff. Uh, and then there are the utilities. What are all the things, the handful of things that I need in order to get the level of control required in order to be able to tell the story? If it were just me going through and playing the character strictly for my own enjoyment, I would not need uh, the Puppeteer Master mod. I wouldn't need it, you know. Um, yeah, as a as a YouTube creator, you need something like that to tell a story. Exactly. But playing the game, eh, not not needed. No. So yeah, I kind of went through that exercise, um, created a whole um, Evernote file, and focused on trying to go through that and just sort of objectively look at everything that I was doing, and go through that. And it was a great exercise for me because I listed, I I started out by taking my mod watch list, pumping it into Evernote so that I could get an accounting for everything that I was currently using. And then as you and I were having these conversations, I started going through and identifying the things that I could eliminate. So I was actually going through that list and I was redlining things. So one of the things we talked about early on was this idea of um, using uh, vivid weathers. And right. I thought, you know, what do I stand to gain by using vivid weathers? And when we actually took a look at it and and saw all the different things that I was going to be able to eliminate um, by doing that, it just made so much more sense. So I was able to get a nice looking game, great you know, great weather effects and all that stuff and essentially eliminate climates of Tamriel in about, you know, five or six patches and other things that I was using. So I think it took that sort of uh, having a having sort of an exhaustive list like that for me to realize uh, exactly what I was gaining by making some of these these choices. And I also like the fact, too, that I was able to sort of start from scratch in a way and get mm-hmm. some things into my load order that were more recent mods because um, I was heavily reliant on, I think, an old version of, of Climates of Tamriel 3.1 because I, I understood how it worked and how it was patched. Yep. So, And that was one of the goals. <clears throat> excuse me while I clear my throat. That was one of the goals when I started the 2016 Skyrim Modding Guide was to go out and find the mods that were newer and could replace those tried and true ones and then kind of combine them all into a playable game. And doing that was a good experience for me. I spend more time researching now than I do ever playing. I don't play hardly at all. And, you know, creating videos for all this stuff, it does open your mind up when you have a set goal. And the goal was to find new and different mods for a audience while your goal was to create content for um the youtubing audience and you have to build your mod list around it and it you know by focusing on a goal 
that you want to play a certain type of character that has a certain type of personality and you focus your mod list to that, you can get down and have a highly playable game without having all the extra window dressing that you say, oh, that's a really cool mod or that's a really cool mod, but does it fit the character anymore? Right. And by, you know, focusing and, you know, setting out a character goal and you have one for Vrander and you have one for Sagamore and, you know, for five fables and Robard, you are able to pare it all down. And sometimes the less is more philosophy works out better because you don't have as many compatibility issues. You can actually use your mod list more efficiently. So it, it really does change your perspective as far as that goes. Um, like, I can't see exactly what you're highlighting there, Stu, but, you know, the, let me just expand that up. The, the mods that you choose may not make things better, but just makes things more complicated for a certain character. Mm-hmm. And that's what we've discovered while, you know, rebuilding for Rune Runner is that you're just overcomplicating things and you don't really need it for YouTube content and to tell a story. Right. And it was, a, it was an eye-opening event for both of us, really. It was, it was good to see a perspective that was different than what I was doing for the uh, 2016 Skyrim Modding Guide. Yeah. So uh, that was good. Yeah, and for, now, for those you of you who uh, haven't checked it out, um, I'm just going to put in a little plug for Cal because okay. um, I have basically followed, I, I don't know how many episodes you have now. Was it 25, 26, more than that? Yeah, I, I forget Something because like I have that. more episodes in the can that yeah. I'm still editing out. So I, I forget. Right. How many I have. So one of the things that I did was I I took a look at um, Cal's 2016 modding guide where he basically sh- kind of shows you from the ground up how to, to build out your modded game space. And I like the way you do it because you kind of take it in this logical order, right, where we're we're starting out with some basic things in place, which is the framework. Then we're getting into kind of our environment, what constitutes the, the setting that our characters are going to be adventuring in. And then we get into some specifics about the characters. Um, how do they look and what do they do? And you kind of just gradually build on the setup, right? right. And um, if, if I was going to recommend any one single video – from, from your series to people, I would have to say that it's the, the textures one. And the reason that I say that is because so many of us use Mod Organizer, but when we download a mod, we sort of assume that we have to take that mod verbatim. Like, we have to deploy that mod in whatever way it was created by the author. And what I learned from that video was... Um, how Mod Organizer could be used to do an analysis of what textures were in the pack and which ones I liked and which ones I didn't like Um, and, you know, what the benefit was of using a loose files version versus a BSA and, you know, all these different things. Um, That one was a great one because I learned so much about how Mod Organizer actually works and and what's going on with it. Yeah, that, it is so. such a powerful tool that yeah. I don't think any one person except for mm-hmm. the creator, uh, Tannen, really knows what it does. Yeah, Maybe some of the guys over on the step guide do know all of its full potential, but I'm still learning things 
that, you know, and I do this for a living basically is I don't do it for a living, but you get my point. I do it for yeah. YouTube living mm-hmm. where I, it's my job to go in and find all these little things. I'm still finding things. Mm-hmm. I'm still figuring stuff out that I never knew I could do with it. So it is an incredibly powerful tool. And, you know, if you don't use model organizer, you really should, um, because it just allows you to do so much. And that texture, talking about textured mods, you know, once you started to play with it and you realized the flexibility that it gave you by unpacking BSAs and then going in and, like you said, looking at them in the in the previews under the data tab on the right panel, you could actually say, well, you know, I really hate that texture. And I can start clipping things out by just by deleting or removing them from the data files in the mod itself. Yeah. That's something that I've never seen covered before, but I knew it could do. Mm-hmm. And and that's from doing research and talking to people and you know what I call the brain trust or the guys that are a lot smarter than I am because I'm not a computer guy I'm a video maker right so I I, I learn stuff all the time and you know model organizer is a perfect example of that it's just so powerful there's so much to know and modding's the same way the more you expand your horizons the more research you do the more people you talk to you realize there are things out there that you didn't know existed and that you didn't know could do things for your game that are just amazing. Um, And there are some great modders out there that do amazing work that completely change the game. And from a perspective of a player, for all those players out there, there are so many mods that completely change the game to make it totally different. And, you know, I'm messing with one right now called Enderall. Go figure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We talked about that at some length before we went before live. Before we went on the air. Yeah. So that's, that's a that's a topic for another day because I am just scratching the surface on that. Yeah. Um but yeah, you know, I want to get your perspective. What, you know, of all the mods that you've added, you know, we talked about SkyTweak. What mod do you think really changed the perspective of how you modded Let's say Vander. Mm-hmm. I, I think I have an answer for you, but I, you know, what strikes me as Vander as his personality. But I wanted to get your perspective. What mod or combination of mods do you think really improved the game for you from Vander's perspective? Yeah, um, you know, it was it was a, a terrible pain in the ass to be without my computer, but. I'm really grateful in a way that it happened because it allowed me to rebuild and put some things in place that I hadn't used before, really changed my perspective on what I could do with a Let's Play. Um, And it's a combination of things. And I'm going to open Mod Organizer here. We're going to take a look at this because this is, I think, um, something that I... Yeah, okay. So, yeah, incidentally, what, what I've done in Mod Organizer here is, um, let's see if I can, can I enlarge this maybe, I wonder. We'll see if I can. If I can, well, no, I can't really. Um, so <clears throat> what what I did in Mod Organizer was when you and I were discussing this and, and we were talking about, you know, just kind of, keeping the interface clean i what i'm showing you here is i've gone through and i've created custom categories for all of my own stuff so uh you know cw uh ui and controls citizens cw customs 
weapons, clothing, armor, everything has the CW prefix on it. And what I'm doing here is I'm creating this classification. And the to answer your question, Cal, the mods that I want to talk about are ones that are related to character specifically. And mm-hmm. so I've filtered my list here to just focus on what I consider to be sort of the CW characters category, which is character influencing types of mods. And so for me, it's a combination of three things. One is uh, Finnis PCEA2, which allows me to have exclusive character animations. In other words, animations that only my character has and no other NPCs do. Right. So right there, you're enhancing the character's individuality. Um, the XP32 Maximum Skeleton Extended. That's the newest version and the best version. The newest version and the best version. It's got an MCM menu that... Uh, allows you to go into that menu and select how you want your character to wear certain weapons. Uh, It used to be with XP32 that you had to, when you installed the mod, you'd use the faux mod installer to say, oh, I want swords on my back and I want to have, uh, you know, daggers on my waist and all this kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Or you wanted, uh, you know, like hip-mounted quivers or whatever. And then anytime you wanted to change it, you had to reinstall the mod, go through the faux mod installer again. And, oh, by the way, every NPC in the game is wearing theirs the same too. Well, the XP32 Maximum Skeleton Extended completely eliminated that. So now uh, I'm able to wear my sword on my back, but every other NPC in the game wears theirs on their hip. Or by simply checking a box, I can allow XP32 extended to select randomly how NPCs wear their stuff so that everybody in-game has this sense of individuality. So rather than me being the only guy in the whole province who decided to put a sword on his back, there may be a bunch of other people as well, but there's also a bunch of other people who wear it on their hip, and it's, it's kind of determined randomly. So there's uh, a second level of individuality. So custom animations, now, you know, custom equipping of weapons. And then finally, the last one in my trifecta is this PC head tracking and voice types, which absolutely blew me away. Um, I always, for immersion's sake, always have a head tracking mod. And there have always been... um, there's always been the one kind of go-to, PC head tracking or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of a go-to. Head tracking and, light, I believe it was. Yeah. About that. yeah. Be- before head tracking light, there was another one called PC head tracking, which I used for a long time. And then some discoveries were made about that mod. There were some difficulties with it. I mean, I, I think there were some, some problems with the code or some memory leaks, things like that. And then it was, okay, let's move to a lighter weight version. And the, there, then along came you know, PC head tracking light, which was structured differently under the hood. And apparently the, the deal was that it, it was able to turn itself on and off in different situations so that it wasn't constantly running at times when you would, didn't need it. And so, in other words, it was more efficient. And then I discovered this one, which was PC head tracking and voice type. And not only did this one do PC head tracking, but it gave you the flexibility of, of also 
um, having the PC actually their their eyes track where you put your cursor if you wanted to do that. Right. It also uh, w- has an MCM menu that will allow you to determine what your character's uh, facial expression will be when encountering different types of characters in game. So um, you can specifically say that you want your character to smile when the spouse is around, uh, to have a particular expression for different types of, I don't know, faction groups, if you will. And really the the coolest thing about it for me, and I've talked about this a, a couple of different times, I think, on my own channel, is the ability to put in custom voice types, which was just awesome to me. And if we take a look at this, I'll actually give you a little tour of what I'm talking about. So if I go into Mod Organizer, I'm going to go to Mods, and then down under, let's see, PC Head Tracking and Voice Types, Sound, FX, PC Head Tracking. All of these folders here are folders that I have placed custom WAV files into that are basically Vander's voice. And what what this mod does is it will allow you to have your character react to certain situations. So look at this, for example. There's a folder here called Chair. If I open this up, there are five voice files in here. These are all separate, different things that Vander could say when he sits down in a chair. And they are the, – the mod determines randomly which one of these are said in that instance, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it becomes even more impressive when you get into combat. Look at all these combat options. And each one of these has five files in it. And each one of these is a different instance of, you know, some, a, a, different, a different trigger, and each one of these chooses from whatever's in this list randomly. So in here, I could have put in five. I only put in four. What that means is that um, I'm, I guess, one-fifth less likely to get a random sound file in those circumstances. Mm-hmm. So it, it's really pretty amazing. And these are all things, these are all simple wave files that I recorded myself using my microphone and using um, Audacity, which Correct. is free. Love me the free. For sure. For sure. And so it it just made me think that there, there are just wonderful opportunities here, I think, for not, not only um, players to put their own voice files in and get a better sense for their character, have their character say things randomly. But the, the things that a, a person could do with this are, I think, game changers. For me, they're game changers because what this means now is that as I'm playing Vander, he's reacting on his own, walking around in the environment. And now suddenly me as the Let's Player, the guy who's supposed to know the direction the story's in, has to react to Vander. I've right. never been in a situation where I've had to actually react to Vander. And there have been times when I re- was, you know, recording episodes that he said stuff that I wasn't expecting him to say. And then I had to change on the fly and react 
to whatever it was that he was saying. Yeah. It's brilliant. It's just brilliant, I think. So. How many sound files have you recorded for Vandernail using that tool? Well over 100. 100 different wave files. Yeah. Quips and comments and little things that he may say for all these different instances. That's exactly. amazing. Exactly. And it's an amazing tool. It, it is an amazing tool. Now, if you look at all of these, with the exception of the greeting folder, all of these other ones here are kicked off randomly based on some kind of predetermined set of requirements or conditions. The greeting one, however, goodbye, hello, and random, these are all categories that can be mapped to keystrokes. So these are ones that you can kick off whenever you want. Mm-hmm. So if we look at hello, and in these categories, you get 10 sound files. So every time that you hear, you know, Vander wandering through the B and Barb saying hello to everybody in that massive crowd in there, that's just me clicking a button on my mouse and kicking off a random sound file as he's saying, hey, how you doing? Hi, what's up? Da, 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 da. You know, he's kind of going, going through his stuff, right? Right. Um, and what I did for goodbye is rather than putting in goodbyes, What I do here is I use this particular category for having him react negatively to things. Mm. So when you hear a situation where uh, somebody is saying something insulting to him or ignoring him and he does something like that, that is Vander generating that himself based on a button click I'm doing. I'm not doing that into the microphone. He's kind of doing that on his own randomly based on me clicking a button. Right. One so, of my favorites is the one where he's getting ready to say goodbye to somebody who said something stupid, and he has this kind of comical, maniacal laugh, mm-hmm. and then he says, yeah, bye. Uh-huh, yeah. And I just love that one. <laughs> For whatever reason, every time it fires yeah. off, I just have this deep chuckle, and it's the kind of yeah. immersion that you don't expect him to say it because you, as a as a, the person controlling Vander, doesn't expect it to be said either. Right. And when it happens, you know it's completely random, and you think, oh, it's... It's just Vander being Vander. And uh, it's just hilarious. Yeah, yeah. It's really, um, it's really pretty stunning, I I think. Um, This is, incidentally, this is the one that you were referring to. Um, I probably am not, we might not be able to actually hear it unless I spin my microphone around. Let me try it. I gotta go. See that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that that's the stuff that he's just saying on his own all the damn time. That's and just hilarious. I, I think that it's amazing. I don't know anybody else who's used it in this capacity in any kind of a role play. I, I can't think of any. But I mean, when... I remember when you and I discussed it because we mm-hmm. had discussed the, the head tracking yeah. thing and I always poo-pooed it because I do my, my Let's Plays in first person primarily. Uh-huh. And then you pointed it out to me and we kind of, you know, the advantages of doing it as a third person. And then we found this mod and you started to tell me about it. I was like, I could see the potential in this. And right. it really kind of turned me around <clears throat> as far as the the role playability and the the entertainment value that that provided. And it was one of those things that it changes your perspective about a certain mod because I've always poo-pooed them. I said, I don't need that. And yeah. But then you kind of, you know, when you open your eyes up and you look at it again, 
with a different mod that you've never even heard of before, suddenly you're like, oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. And then you see it in action with Vander, and you can really see the potential in it. Yeah, it's it's pretty uh, pretty stunning, you know. And one of the, one of the things that I think about a lot now, Cal, is I've been considering this idea of coming up with these pre-recorded PC head tracking and emotion folder sets and making them available to people who want to just copy them verbatim into their mod setup, and you know have a Robard voice responses for everything. Have you know. Uh, Rune Runner voice responses for anything, and when you pair that up with, um, say, a Vander Nightbrook NPC mod, that would allow a person to either when I when I create my NPC mods, I create them as both NPC mods and presets. Mm-hmm. So downloading that one mod would allow you to decide if you were going to play Vander as a character yourself, or we're going to bring him into game and play him uh, as if he were a follower. Um, Especially if you're playing in first person and have a character, say, like Vander as as a follower, it would be kind of interesting. The, The idea that with a simple button click, you could get your follower to talk to you while you're adventuring. I think about it from that perspective. Um, for those of us who are just sitting, you know, in our basement or our office playing Skyrim for sheer enjoyment, to me, I see a whole ton of value in being able to have have your NPC talk to you when you want to kick off the conversation to liven the experience, right? Because it, it's, for me, there's an obvious reason for me to have my character talk back to me because I'm doing it for entertainment value and there's a lot of people watching. But how many times have you been traveling along with your follower and just kind of wished that that follower would just chat with you while you were talking? Right. Or while you were walking down the, down the road. And you'll turn around and click the E button or whatever you're using to engage your, your NPCs, right? And they'll start saying something to you, but the second you turn around and start walking again, they shut up. This would be a way that you could apply this to an NPC and actually have some control over the conversation that you're having, as well as having them just say things randomly in certain situations, you know, commenting on the weather or the condition of an inn. And it, I like it because for me as a mod author, it gives me the flexibility of being able to provide more, um, a richer experience to the people who download my mods without having to spend tons and tons of time trying to do custom dialogue and creation kit and figuring out the lip files and all that stuff. Um, Absolutely. I could just provide a package and say, hey, take this, put it in the mod, you know, in the folder structure, bam, there you go, done. And it's Robard, and, you know, it's Stax, or it's it's Vander, it's whomever, you know, so. You know, in Skyrim, they talk so much about the silent protagonist, and this really kind of breaks that wall. Because mm-hmm. he's commenting on things, because he's making quips and right. has little sayings, it gives more depth and more feeling to, you know, attachment to an individual character, especially when they're sort of random. In a file like this, if you had a mod that had a bunch of these different things from, let's say, different voice actors or from Couch Warrior for different characters, and then you add it into your game, 
it makes you more attached to your player or to your own character in turn. So because suddenly he's saying things that you didn't expect him to say or he's saying things that catch you off guard and change your perspective of that character and how you play him. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, um, here's an interesting one, right? I'm I'm not sure if these work or not. We'll have to see. These are, these are like, these are all Sumerian custom voice types or fleet. It would be possible for me to do a whole, you know, a whole series of those kinds of things. And, you know, that, you know, most people don't spend time making mods, but, you know, having spent time doing it. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely understand the complexities of trying to do a custom-voiced NPC. It is not easy, and there are many, many lines of dialogue. This makes it definitely approachable, um, and I also kind of like the fact that it's sort of, I don't know, independent from the NPC itself in some ways um, because it means that you could easily update a package anytime you wanted to with new stuff and distribute something with better voice files or more voice types or more more things to say. I mean, if if I look at this list right now, there are a lot of these that I haven't even touched. You know, there right. there are some of these folders that are empty, you know. Here's here's what he says when he does a field bash a, a, a shield bash. Here's what he says when he does a field a shield bash and he's fatigued. You know, it gets to that level. You know, so kind of amazing. Yeah. You know, and I've done a bit of voice work for some different mods out there. And I'll tell you something, doing a hundred lines of anything, even if they're little quips, you that's a lot of work. And it definitely, you know, kind of change your perspective about doing voice acting when you when you record something and then listen to yourself and then record it again because you're not happy with it. So when you say you've got 100 files, I know that's not 100 takes. I know it's a lot more than that. Yeah. So yeah. It, it that's a lot of work, Stu, and it's amazing that you it, were able to integrate this into Vander's story and Vander's character. Yeah. So that's a good one. I, I was going to guess, and you actually touched on it, was PCA2 and Finnis mm-hmm. to get you the, the, the animations that make Vander who he is, and especially like that jumping animation that you yeah. and I have talked about where you can see him leaping like a gazelle over fences and hay bales and on top of walls. Yep. That, that's a really cool tool. Can you talk us through a little bit about uh, what goes into that? You don't have to go into all of the install, but mm-hmm. just kind of how you went through installing that or just putting it all together. Yeah, that, that is another one very similar to the PC head tracking one in that it it has contained within it a folder structure. Mm-hmm. And um, the instructions are pretty simple. Basically, it, it, you know, it, it's, it's telling you that uh, what you need to do is pick out, you know, pick out the animation sets that you want in, in different categories, and then you put them in a folder structure. You have 10 folders to choose from. And mm-hmm. then you can you can put um, animation files from various categories into those ten folders. 
Um, and they the folders have to be named in a certain way in order to be considered by by the mod as you know eligible for drawing from for animations. What what it allows you to do is if you're if you're willing to go in and do your research, you can um, dig in, you know, and figure out what animations you want in in various categories, and say you know put in the combat ones that you want and maybe have different ones entirely for magic, you know, mm-hmm. and, and for standing idols and, you know, stuff like that. So that one is very cool. And I'm thinking it might be interesting to look at that. Um, so what I did is I created a folder structure and then I labeled them based on category so uh, if I'm, lo- I'm looking in the MCM menu right now at, at mm-hmm. Finnis PCA2, and I've got, you know, Jump Vander Jump, Magic Vander Magic, Run Vander Run, <laughs> Sword Vander Sword, Stand Vander Stand. I just labeled them that way, right? And so I went right. out and found the one idle animation I thought was best for him after experimenting with a number of them, and I dropped it in there. Um, the nice thing about this is it comes with some prepackaged ones in it already that you can try out and fool around with. And uh, it'll tell you in, you know, in the description which things are, are eligible for use in this. What I have since discovered is that sit animations do not work in Finnis PCEA2. Sitting is hmm. one of the things that this does not allow you to do. So... Um, if you want to use like some of the sitting animations from from pretty sitting idols, uh, if you if you implement one of those, everybody in Skyrim is still going to do that. But if you want to have an individualized jump, combat, magic, idol standing, all that stuff, you can totally do it, and it's very similar uh, to how the the PC head tracking and emotions mod works. Right. You got a folder structure and you dump the stuff in you want and then you activate it here. So it's a very cool mod set and be able to, you know, add the different animations. I know that mm-hmm. there are a whole bunch of animations out there nowadays and some are brand new and some that are just incredible to look at and, you know, mm-hmm. whether they randomize or whether they, you know, <clears throat> play different ones for based off of gender or Right. You know, stances and the, you know, just standing idols. There's a whole bunch of them for that. Are different ones for running. And Vandra's got a definitely a unique running style and a unique jumping style. Mm-hmm. And that's where mods like that yeah. can definitely change how you see your character because he's unique. He's different. And Vandra's case, he's a little odd too. Yep. Yep. It's absolutely true. And even that little shoulder rotation that he's doing right now, I, mm-hmm. I've never seen that animation before. And it looks totally natural for him, kind of this runner-athlete guy who spends his time speeding around Skyrim. It's, he's kind of getting loosened up. He's always kind of loosening up. He's always kind of feeling like he's got to be ready to go in a moment's notice. Yeah, and that's what I was looking for. You know, I thought, okay... There's there's a lot of idle animations out there, and I started looking through them. And, you know, my objective was trying to find the one that was the best fit for him. So I was looking for one that was fairly active because I figured, okay, given his personality, he's going to be fidgety, you know. He's going to be, you know, antsy. 
And so I'm, I was looking for an idle animation where, you know, it seemed like it belonged to an individual who had trouble sitting still. And mm-hmm. um, I arrived at this one. Um, but I had a lot to choose from, you know, and so I picked that one and that was good. And, and I, I think the thing that I, I like about this, too, is the jumping animation I really love. But there were other animations in that set that I didn't like. And again, you know, Mod Organizer allowed me to use the ones I wanted and jettison the ones I didn't and use default for those, you know, so. Yep, works perfectly. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And when you combine all of that stuff with, you know, just the simple customizations that you can do with um, race menu, um, good God, you know, I mean... um, you can just have a completely individualistic character now, which, uh, you know, wasn't poss- it wasn't possible to have a character with this level of individuality even, you know, four or six months ago. Mm-hmm. So that's the beauty of the mod community. And, and when I was just looking at this, um, XPMSE, we talked about this earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. These are all the different styles. Now, I've only ticked a couple of these. He's got his sword on his back and his dagger on his hip, and that's all he cares about. But there's so many different options here. Um, and the nice thing about this is because the mod authors are putting so much work into this, it's it's not nearly as difficult as it used to be. You know, um, it used to be that you know, you you may want to go and, and use uh, XP32 skeleton, put your sword on your back, but just wait because when you're done with that, now you got now that you got the sword on the back, you got to go you know look on Nexus and try to find the right animation for drawing a sword from the back and get that installed separately. Uh, you know, XPMSE comes with all the required assets for each of the animations. You know, or each of the the styles that are noted in here to work. Right. It's all there. You don't have to do right. anything. You just load this, pick what you want, and then be done. And if you want to randomize the NPCs, you check this box, and that's it. Yeah, Dual Sheets Redux. Back in the day where you had to go through a thousand steps to get Dual Sheets Redux. Oh, my God. Now XPMSE, you know, go yeah. in the light and, and draw Vander's sword. That is just one click, one setting in a certain mod. Yes. To get him to do that. Yes. That's it. It's yes. just amazing. Everything's much more sophisticated than it used to be now, you know? Yes, you're yeah. right. I mean, the it's first time that I set up right? Dual Sheath Redux, I couldn't believe it. It was like a combination of five different things I had to get all configured right in a patch for all that to work, you know? I remember working with another YouTuber called Stardust LP and trying to get Dual Sheath Redux to work on his using Nexus Mod Manager because he didn't want to use Mod Organizer. Oh, I just yeah. about gouge my eyes out <laughs> uh, it was horrible and uh, you know coming from a you know evolved modder i that was a couple of years ago mod organizer was relatively new and i could understand the the you know you have a courier visitor oh interesting this is the courier <laughs> from my mod by the way there's a courier visiting a courier yep. uh, but yeah in mod organizer and mm-hmm. all the new mods make it so much easier so mm-hmm. yeah it's kind of interesting that your your own mod Fired yeah. off inside of the stream where we're talking gives you a courier to deliver something to a courier. I think that's funny. Yeah, look at uh, 
this courier just delivered me a a note from Post Haste. Oh, <laughs> telling me where I can get pick up my welcome kit. It's even from M. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Your your welcome kit that may work or may not work. Yeah, well, your, another one of your own mods. <laughs> welcome to Post Haste Couriers. Yes, and you get to go pick up your welcome kit and all that stuff. So yes. yeah, and that there's another another band of adventurers going by that was a mod you added in that we had discussed. So it's, yeah, it's always interesting to see, you know, all these mods go off in a game and just randomly you're like, Oh, who are these guys? Oh, that's that mod I put in that adds D and D type parties yeah. to Skyrim and they wander around in a mixed group. Yep. Kind of cool. And I've encountered them on the roadways, seen them, you know, battling monsters and storm cloaks and whomever else is threatening them. That's very funny. I don't know what faction they're part of, but uh, they seem to get out there and mix it up pretty randomly, which I think is pretty cool. That's very cool. Yeah. So, you know, we're looking at Whiterun right now, and tell us a little bit about your texture pack and what what have you got going on as far as your texture mods? Yeah. So, yeah, this is interesting. Um, so the base I'm using for everything is um, oh, verdant. So I'm using, I'm using the, the all-in-one verdant texture pack. Verdant mm-hmm. Skyrim, I think. Is it called verdant Skyrim or whatever? Is it vivid? Vivid. Vivid, vivid? Is it vivid? Let's see. I can't look at that right now because I'm running the game. But um, yes, it's vivid. It's vivid. That's what it is. Okay. Verdant, verdant is the grass one, right? It's right. those verdant grasses. But, yeah, I'm using um, Vivid Landscapes as my base. And then over the top of that, I'm using uh, Noble Skyrim. So Noble Skyrim is is kind of what the, the textures that are being used in most of the, you know, city and town environments that make them look a bit more individualistic, a bit cleaner, a bit richer. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that one is overwriting there. Then I'm using, uh, for water, I'm using Realistic Water 2 as my base, but I'm using the waterfall textures uh, from Pure Waters. Right. And that was something that I learned how to do by watching your texture video, how to take, you know, some of the things I wanted from one mod and allow them to overwrite another one, but to do it selectively. Okay. Um, and then uh, using Vivid Weathers. To do, you know, all of my all of my fancy weather action. On top of that, um, let's see, what else do I got going? Um, I mean that, that covers it. And those are your two main texture packs. I'm sure you've got yeah, a number of smaller textures yeah, th- as well. There's a number of smaller ones which um, eventually will include some things from the ruffled feather. I haven't actually installed that yet. Um, I know it's it's not in the Nexus anymore, so I got an, uh, a copy of it from from Joe, who had a backup of it. Oh, I'll, um, I'll send you the link when I it's on mm-hmm. the step patches. I'll show you. I'll send that to you. Okay. But you know, it's the reason why I ask, and and this is you know a one of those things. Your white run looks different than my white run because of the light, the way we layered the texture mods really you said you had vivid landscapes as your base and you overwrote it with um noble skyrim yeah 
I have Skyrim, Skyrim Realistic Overhaul as my base, overwritten by Noble, which is overwritten by Vivid. Really? So it's, it does look different. Some of them, some of the textures obviously don't overlap or they kind of overlap in areas where they're very similar, but it does look different. And mm-hmm. just little things to my eye, <clears throat> walls, this little texture of this wall or this little texture of that rock, it looks different. And it's funny how it, it works out that way. So I think your walls look completely different than my walls for, for Whiterun. Yeah. And that's just because the order in which we place them in the priorities tab on the left pane. So the one at the top is being written, overwritten by ones in the bottom. Yeah. And that layering effect creates a different game. Yep. Different look to it. It absolutely I your, does. I know your doors look different. Do they? Oh, yeah. I, I think that must be back. coming from Noble then, huh? Cause I, I think, yeah. I think uh, just that interaction between the way they overwrote, overwrote things, yeah. I think it just looks mm-hmm. a little bit different than mine. Yeah, I am so funny. using enhanced landscapes. Yep. Um, and I'm using um, realistic Skyrim as well. But you're right. I have. I think I have that stuff in a different priority order than you do. So yeah, it, it's totally individualistic, it just based on that priority order. And that that's one thing that comes to mind. You know, I think a lot of people are confused about in mod organizer what's going on in the left pane versus what's going on in the right pane. Right. Um, maybe you could give us a little primer on that because. I know this is a question that comes up for me. Joe and I were just talking about it the other day. He's like, so what exactly is happening in the left pane versus the right pane? You know? And I wasn't sure how to explain it really. Well, if you think about everything's, anything below it is overriding something above it. And those only interact as far as conflicts. Where, you know, and this is primarily for most mods. When you look at a mod... I'm going to pull up my mod organizer just so I can give you an example. Okay. Um, let's say, just click on one thing here. WSCO, WSCO, which is Winsong Skyrim Character Overhaul. It is right now in priority number 41 on my list. If you go down on the list, priority number 43 is Inhabitants of Skyrim NPC Overhaul which changes all the facial meshes for the different characters, the NPCs, throughout the game. Right. So what's happening is WSEO is setting out a template of its own facial generation models for the different NPCs in the game. It does it for, you know, your player character as well as all the NPCs. And it basically just sets the parameters of this for this face gen, it creates this sort of look. Well, Inhabitants of Skyrim at priority number 43 is overriding it and making changes to WSCO. So when you okay. open it up in your conflicts tab, when you open up the mod itself, it will show those conflicts. It will say it's overriding all these mods and changing some smile, some minor aspect of it. Okay. So if you keep going down... Farther down in, in slot number 45 on the priority list, superior lore-friendly hair is once again changing the hair from WSCO and changing the textures and some of the parameters thereof. Right. And it just keeps going down and down and down. 
even all the way down to UNP female armors. What that's doing, because WSCO contains UNP, the textures for and meshes for the female body, <clears throat> it's overriding what WSCO has. But in this case, the two files are identical. Mm -hmm. And that's where conflicts kind of, you know, you have to look at them each from the same thing and identify what the individual file is overriding. So where before you had inhabitants of Skyrim at, at 45, at 43 was overriding the face gen information from the mod that's in for, slot 41, since it was 41's higher on the list, inhabitants of Skyrim was winning. Okay. But if you keep going down and you chose female armors, which has the meshes and textures for the UNP female body type, it shows that it's overriding WSEO because it's farther down the list, but it's overriding the same exact files. Mm -hmm. Mod organizer cannot recognize when there's a change. It just shows it's overriding the same files. It's overriding this file, so it's going to show a conflict. But in this case, it's the same file. So just think of everything going down. You know, the stuff at the top, of your left pane, like Dawnguard, Dragonborn, the unofficial Skyrim patch, which gets overwritten by almost everything. Yeah. Um, are being overwritten by everything below it. So if you click on the unofficial Skyrim patch and you scroll down your left pane, everything in pink is an overwrite, something that is overriding you, uh, you sleep. Right. Okay. Now the interaction thereof is dependent on the individual file that it's overriding some of them are the exact same file but mod organizer can't recognize you know if there's a difference it's just show, telling you there's a conflict so as you go down each one there's a, going to be a number of conflicts if you click on something and you look up you may see something in green that means that the file that you clicked on is overriding that file above it so whenever you see something you notice that you have conflicts by color. I gotta find something that actually does it now. I've lost them all. It will always be pink is on the bottom and greens are at the top. And that's all it's telling you is that it's an identifier telling you what is overriding something else, whether it be the same file or a different file. It yeah. makes changes. Now, on the right pane, it's a little bit different because of the interaction between the different ESPs. If you use loot to order them, it's trying to figure out the best way it can run together. And that's based off of, you know, metadata that the different mod authors have sent to loot and they in include that in there. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. So that they, they'll all work together. But the thing is, without using a tool like TS5 Edit, you don't know the changes that it's making. In a recent video, I talked about ELE and how... Sounds of Skyrim, which is a mod I rejected, made a bunch of changes to ELE, which is a lighting mod. And that's because of the way the mod author created his own mod, he transferred all the vanilla values for lighting to change it back to the vanilla settings. And the way Loot ordered it, and it was the only way it would work together, 
it would override all the lighting changes that ELE made. Really? So we're talking a couple hundred lighting changes, and it completely negated what ELE was doing, which is enhanced lighting for ENB. I should probably, you know, say the full name sometimes. Right. So enhanced lighting was completely negated because of sounds of Skyrim. And that's where TS5 Edit, when you open that up and you take a look at it and you click on the mods, you'll see the same sort of thing. Red is bad. It means it's overriding something. You have to look at the values and see what it's overriding. And in that case, when you look at TS5 Edit, instead of going from top to bottom overriding, it goes left to right. So the one at the end on the far right is the one winning. Okay. So it's, you know, plug-in list and load order is a double-edged thing. Sometimes you need to have it in a certain order to get it to work with all the other mods you may have. And sometimes you add one mod, it'll completely change the load order. Yeah. But then you actually have to go in and take a look at it and say, well, what is it overriding? We don't know because there's no way for mod organizer to tell you something like Sounds of Skyrim is overriding enhanced lighting for E&D. There's and, just no way. And this discussion, too, of um, Skyrim audio overhaul, I mean, that was, I, I think that's one of the things that we kind of discussed early on, mm-hmm. and I, I know at that point you were kind of getting started doing the research for uh, some of your episodes on audio. Mm-hmm. And I was bitching about how I seem to be getting a lot of things in my, you know, showing up a lot of debug messages and stuff like that showing up in my mod organizer log files specifically from that mod. And I couldn't understand what was going on with it. And uh, you obviously did some research and figured that out. Um, <laughs> you know, I haven't in- I haven't done any audio overhauls of any kind in my game yet. I'm, right. I'm not sure if I will or not. I haven't really decided. There's there's still a number of things that I am considering installing into Vander's game that aren't there yet. And audio overhauls is one of those, you know. Right. And audio overhaul for Skyrim Two is a is a funny little beast. It requires a lot of patches because of the way it interacts with the environment. Um, so you have to know kind of how to use your tool like TS5 Edit to find out what's going on with it. And you look for the conflicts. And once you find a setup that doesn't have a lot of conflicts with other things, that means that your game's going to run better. Conflicts are not always bad, but if it's a bad conflict, like overriding all the lighting in a, in a cell that negates that mod entirely, well, why do I have that mod? Yeah. And you have to kind of be selective and know how to use your tools. You know, in the case of audio for overall for Skyrim 2, we talked about, um, I can't remember exactly what I kind of put it as a potential for causing the issue, but it was something that you had and you kind of eliminated it. And it was the interaction between that and something else that was causing the error. So maybe that was it, but we don't really know until you look at TS5 edit, open it up, take a look at the conflicts and see what it might be doing in relation to other mods in the load order from top to bottom on mod organizer and from left to right in TS5 edit. And that's, that's a tough thing to do. Yeah. So, you know, for my setup and you haven't set it up yet, I have audio overhaul for Skyrim two, 
being overwritten by Immersive Sounds Compendium. And in both the left and right panel, they are audio overall for Skyrim is at the top and then Immersive Sounds Compendium is below it. Mm -hmm. And that's the odd thing about the way Mod Organizer works is because all the edits are in the ESPs, the sound files themselves, if you look in the left pane, they don't show any conflicts. Hmm. But it's clearly, Immersive Sounds Compendium is clearly overriding all the weapon sounds, footfalls, Mm -hmm. uh, item sounds, a whole bunch of different things. But you'll never see it in the conflicts on the left pane. Yeah. And this, people, is why you need to go to Cal's YouTube channel and check this whole <laughs> thing out. Because he gets to this level. I mean, seriously, I, that, that is, I mean, it, so many of us are kind of doing this on the surface, right? Where we're downloading mods, we're taking them at face value, um, we're assuming that we have to run everything that's in them. And we're, you know, crossing our fingers and running loot and hoping everything's going to be okay. And the fact of the matter is that, yes, this is one of those, right, where I just, something in my gut was telling me that something was wrong with audio overhaul. You don't see something like that popping up that many times in your log file without it, there being something up, right? But mm-hmm. every time I every time I ran loot, it said everything was legit. Every time I... I selected it in the left pane. I didn't see any conflicts. I, you know, it was just kind of, it was difficult for me to figure out what to do with it. And as a result, um, I just elected to eliminate it from my load order because I didn't want to risk it. You know, when, if I think if, if I had understood the tool set a little bit better, I would have been able to dissect it and figure out what was actually happening and then make an informed decision about what I was going to do next. Um, you know, we just don't always get to that level. I I've seen it like a hundred times with myself and with Joe where it's been like, you know, I could spend a week loading and configuring mods and making sure my game is stable, or I could just load the shit and play, (laughs) you know? And I can't tell you, I had a conversation with Joe Yesterday, I think it was, where he's like, I just want to play, but I got more mods and more research, and da, 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 you know? And yeah. so I was excited to finally see him put a screenshot on Twitter today because it made me feel like he was maybe starting to get to the end of his his configuration, you know? But, you know, it's it's really difficult when you want to just play to take the time to figure out what's really happening, you know? Yeah. It's I'm, complicated. I'm finally back to watching the... Uh the screen share. What is that grass mod you're running? I don't remember what you're running for that. Um, it's one of the, it's one that you recommended, um, in your list. And is it the grass plugin for enhanced landscapes? Uh, yes, it's the grass plugin for enhanced landscapes. And, um, rather than using the default settings, I'm, I'm using your recommended settings, which I, I think was, uh, seventy and ten in the I and I settings okay. for for uh, which it's a different color than mine. Yeah, that's because I'm using the uh the summer grass add on. Ah, there yeah. again, a, a simple change in how you select an option inside of a foam mod can yep. completely change the look of a game. So when I when I pop back in to see what you were showing, I'm like, where the hell is he? I don't recognize yeah. that spot. And it has to do with the color of the grass. 
Yep, I imagine in in your game it's probably like tan brown tones instead yep. of green. Yep, exactly. I decided to go for this. I thought, you know, let's see, let's see some green grass and wildflowers and see how that looks. I think it's I think it suits you know Vander's youthful exuberance and and joy of life. I mean, it it certainly fits the environment and the character that you have. Where someone like Robart, who is a melancholy character, mm-hmm. this would kind of be out of place for him. You think he would be in a in a darker world and, you know, mm-hmm. kind of more muted tones and you know, I don't want to say deaf, but you know, just kind of a little more depressed and and yeah. sanguine of the world. Exactly. See now I see something here that Vander has to to explore. He'd be like, hey, where's that water going? Where's it going? <laughs> you know, like Is there a hole? Is there a hole there? You know, so he's coming over here and like looking for it to come out, and it's not coming out. You know, but yeah, I I agree. I it's interesting that you picked up on that because when I was thinking about the environment, I was thinking about the environment from his perspective, and you know, he he is he's youthful and uh, you know exuberant and curious he's and energetic bouncy. and stuff like that. So uh, it seemed to fit the tale I was trying to tell, um, but. Yeah, I mean, there's just so many options in this game that it uh, it becomes almost overwhelming. And I I think what I what I like about what you're doing, Cal, is you're taking a methodical approach and you're making specific recommendations after having done the research and then showing people how to implement. And that's so important, you know. Just um, you know, you know, and I think uh, if if people follow your guide through from start to finish and they pick out the things from your list that they're interested in and they install them um, based on your instructions and the research that supports it, uh, they're going to have a nice looking game. Maybe they won't run every single stinking mod they used to run, but they're going to have a game they can actually play. Right. Um, And I've been more than happy to let a lot of stuff go in the interest of, of having a game I can play and enjoy looking at. So, right. Yeah, it's like pretty amazing. I was just reminded of something, um, like for, I, the difference <clears throat> between a YouTuber let's player and someone who plays the game, combat overhauls, you don't have a combat overhaul. No, I do, do not. You? No, I don't. You don't have a survival overhaul like Frostfall, do you? No, I do not. Because it doesn't, it doesn't lead to good gameplay no. for someone to watch. But for someone to play, absolutely, those things make a big difference in how you, you know, look at it. So if someone yep. is viewing Stu's Mod Watch and looking at his load order and saying, well, he doesn't have a, a combat mod, that's because it's very specific. Yeah. And you, know, you have to choose mods based off of your game. One of the things that I'm working on right now, and it's turning out to be a huge project, is you know what Dawn of Skyrim is? Yeah. You know what JK's city overhaul is and extended or yeah, expanded towns and cities. I've I've been stuck in that creating that mod or that video for those mods for a long time. And I finally gave up and I decided to do it a little bit differently. And you talked about the analytical basis of it. All I'm doing right now is installing the mods, turning on a, a tool like Skyrim Performance Monitor, running through cities and recording really? 
the VRAM usage, the FPS, and how much strain it puts on the computer. And that's all that episode will be because that's wow. all you need to know <laughs> is how bad is this going to be? You can make decisions on whether you like it or not based off of you know your impressions when you load it yourself. There's not much to them as far as the mods go. It's right. kind of odd. Uh-huh. Um, but how much impact is this putting on your game? I'm, I'm really surprised at how bad it, it affects frame rate on even the things that JK's light does. Wow. Um, the, what prompted this was Dawn of Skyrim had a new director's cut out there, and it prompted the, the intellectual question, well, how much more strain is the director's cut going to put on it versus the original Dawn of Skyrim? Yeah, and I what do saw I get that from recently. Um, I, I've not tried it, so what it, did you discover? It's very nice. And it does more than just add structures. Mm-hmm. Um, Dawn of Skyrim is really good about adding vendors to the different cities. It's really nice about that. But what he's added is even more detail, more you know structures inside the different cities. But he's also added AI to the different characters that man the stalls and, and the stores and whatnot. Okay. So he's actually expanded on that. But that does put a bit of a strain on your CPU because now you have to deal with all the AI for these different characters. Right. So that's what I wanted to, to measure is ah. what's the difference for that? Yeah, yeah. And that led into, well, what is the difference between that and JK's versus JK lights? And then, you know, because JK <laughs> affects the different townships like Rorbrickstead, Iverstead, mm-hmm. Riverwood, that sort of thing. Well, Expanded Towns and Cities does the same thing. Well, what's the difference with that? And then you can see where I went down the rabbit hole. Yeah. And I finally just like, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just, exactly. this is just going to be a performance review. That's all it is. You can uh-huh. look at the pretty pictures and decide on your own. But really, installation is not that hard. <laughs> just how much is the performance? Yeah, I know. That's, that's really what it comes down to now. You know, I mean, uh, Mod Organizer makes it, so easy to install a mod it's never about how to install it anymore it's about whether or not person should install it or what to expect um from an install you know and it's it's all the hidden stuff that you you don't see you know that that will just bite you in the ass you know um you know it's like I, i know enough to know you know i know a lot more now than i did six months ago but there's still a lot I don't know, but when something's going wrong, um, I have a much clearer sense now for how to how to approach those problems than I used to have. You know, right. and it takes time, and you got to be methodical. But um, you know, understanding you know where are the places to look for clues before you get started, and then kind of what's what's the method for for troubleshooting. Um, I mean, what 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 do you recommend for those of us who who maybe don't understand quite as well what's going on under the hood? If if we've got a conflict, I mean, my my thought was always, you know, well, you trial and error, right? You you start taking things out of the load order, but before you even start doing that, you have to have some sense of the problem you're trying to solve. And quite often, I've I've found that by taking a peek in a log file or something like that, I can, I can kind of, it'll steer me sort of in the right direction. And, uh, you know, the, the audio one, for example, that, 
that clued me in right away that I needed to start taking a look at the audio overhauls and anything that might relate to them. Right. Um, and so I started kind of systematically pulling things out and, and doing a test, but, you know, most of us aren't scientists, so our, our, often our methodologies are flawed <laughs> from right. the very start. You know, my troubleshooting basis is, I don't really have crashes that often, but, it, you know, my thing is if there's a problem and I will pull a ball that out until I don't have a crash. That's my general rule to most people is okay. start pulling mods out in a systematic reverse order that you installed them till you have a you know, back. You go back in your play testing and say, this is a stable build. I never had any crashes. How many mods did I install? And mod organizer will tell you when you installed a mod, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, how far back, how many mods do I need to uninstall to get back to that point? And you systematically go through and you re- uninstall either blocks of mods and then you can you know kind of by process of elimination get to a mod that may be causing a crash okay now you've identified that one mod that caused a crash you reinstall it and this is where you have to learn your tools like ts5 edit right and then go in and find out what did it do why is it overriding this or why was it causing a crash and a tool like Loot is a good load order tool, but it doesn't always tell you everything, and it doesn't always make the best choices. So uh-huh. a lot of times Loot will leave something where it is when it really should be higher up. And it may be causing a conflict because Loot said, oh, it's fine where it is, but it really needs to be much higher in your load order. And you say, well, okay, we open up TS5 Edit where it was, that's the mod causing the problem. Let's open it up and look at the conflicts and what it's doing. Uh-huh. So, you know, and that doesn't even get into scripts. You have to open your Pappras log to find out what's going on with the scripts. I'm not a Pappras expert. Um, but that's what you have to do is basically know your tools, know the limitations of the tools. In other words, the limitation of loot. And then know how to troubleshoot from there by looking at the individual conflicts in the ESPs. Because you may have conflicts in the files of the left pane of mod organizer, but that will only tell you part of the story. TS5 edit will almost always tell you the main issues, except for scripting. That's a different thing entirely. You have to know the script engines and know what what it's overriding. And you have to be careful with the mod selection. If If you have two mods that do basically the same thing as far as the script goes, Mm -hmm. don't do it. You can go for a swim. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's one thing I don't understand very well is is TS5 Edit. Now, I've used TS5 Edit pretty effectively, actually, to clean mods. I've learned how to clean mods, mm-hmm. and I, I do that pretty religiously. But I know that there's a lot more going on with that tool than I completely understand. So, um, Well, think about TS5 Edit and, in the more modern vernacular, FO4 Edit. Excuse me, that's Chance in the background. Chance. <laughs> throwing slobber around. Oh. Um, he, the, those tools were how everyone modded prior to the creation kits. Okay. So there were a lot of mods created just using XEdit, and that's, that's the base name for TS5 Edit, FO4 Edit, all these different things. So modders, good modders are able to create good mods just using TS5 Edit 
And this shows you the power that it has. So when you can actually create mods using nothing but TS5 Edit, you can create your own patches. If you see a problem that you say, in the case of Sounds of Skyrim, that it's overriding enhanced lighting in B, if you're willing to take on the task of changing all 100-plus edits that Sounds of Skyrim is making into it, you could make your own ELE SOS patch. You could do that. That's amazing. So, you know, and then publish it on the Nexus and, and have lots of endorsements. So it is really a good tool, and it, once again, just like Mod Organizer, it has a lot more power than even I know how. Mm-hmm. There are guys... Let's say like Charlotran, who is one of the TS5 edit creator or not creators. He's more of a maintainer now. He didn't really create it. Okay. But you know, if there are tutorials, there is an entire manual on how to use XEdit, and it is pages and pages and pages and pages and pages. You know, as far as that goes, um, let's see what's a good resource. Fading Signal is a very good mod creator for Skyrim and Fallout 4. Mm-hmm. He did a series of just three videos on how to use TS5 Edit. Very simple things. You know, just how to create a patch or how to create a level list using TS5 Edit. Those are good things to learn and they're out there and really no one really knows that they're out there. So you can learn a lot by just finding the right people. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Um, have you uh, have you done any uh, tutorial work yet on TS5 Edit at all? I did some basic tutorial work for uh, FNV Edit, okay, but nothing to the extent of what uh, you know creating your own patches. I think it's kind of outside the scope of where we are with the guide. Right. Uh, it goes much farther than that. Um, Do you think that it it will eventually qualify as part of the guide or would it be more of its own separate thing? Oh yeah. There's, you know, there's merge patches and there's bash patches and then there's patches for patches and or patches for mods. We will get into merge patches and bash patches at a later time. And that's one way of solving some of these conflicts. So, you know, a merge patch basically smooths out all the wrinkles in your brain. That is your modding setup. So okay. that it, they kind of all work together, and having a merge patch is is almost imperative for a Skyrim game. If you have leveled lists, obviously, you know the only thing that Rybash does very very well is the leveled lists. Yeah, that's so, that's one thing I don't understand. Right, yep. I understand the concept of a merge patch, mm-hmm. but um, I think there. Are, one of the things I have not implemented in my game is a bashed patch. And I've never really been very clear on when a patch like that is appropriate versus a merge patch. You need both. What the, what the difference is. Yeah, you know? in, a, in a well-functioning game with the appropriate level list, probably not that important to Bander's story and to a YouTuber. You need to have both a merge patch. A merge patch is going to help your game run better and make sure all the mods work together better. But a bash patch is really going to... See, I didn't even know he could do that. I didn't know he could lay on the ground. (laughs) Um, A bash patch is going to put the items in the level list where they belong. So it's going to take all the items, and this is where you get into bash tags that you have to generate 
through TS5 edit if they're not done by the mod author. And then it will kind of take all the items and put them where they belong according to their, you know, level lists, which are basically just expanded lists based off of materials and worth. So, you notice at level one, you will never see an elven sword. Okay. In a loot list. At least you shouldn't. Right. A bash patch will say, nope, it doesn't. He's only level one. He doesn't get to see that in the loot list or the weapons that an enemy might have. So that's why you don't see ebony armor when you're level five against that bandit that you're fighting. You just won't see it. So is and this something that it, gets... That's what a bash patch does. Is, is this, are these levels lists something that gets screwed up when you install mods? Or they don't get screwed up. It's that people who are producing mods with all kinds of great weapons in them just haven't haven't tagged them to fit in a level list at the appropriate spot? Is that... Yeah, not all modders are real good about creating the proper level list. Right. So if they add one at all, I mean, the, adding the correct bash tags into your mod is the mod creator's responsibility, but a lot of them don't do the right ones mm-hmm. or they don't do them at all. And there are scripts available for TS5 edit that you can add them yourself and what that script is doing is looking at it as based off of this weapon and this value and the type of material it's based off. It needs to be at this level. Okay. And then a Rybash takes that information from TS5 Edit and says, I'm going to put that item there or there. Okay. And so you won't see it at a certain level. Hmm. And that may be weapons. It may be magic items. It may be jewelry and that's <clears throat> that's why you'll see you know higher and higher weapon types as you get higher in level okay or magic items that have a higher enchantment as part of loot off of a bandit or out of a chest hmm. and that's all just another type of patch but that's that's the only thing a bash patch really does nowadays when you were doing things for Perkis Maximus, creating a bash patch, you would add names and stats and all these different things that were required for the for Patches Maximus. Uh-huh. You don't need to do that for the general, you know, use that if you're not using Skyri or Requiem or um, Perkis Maximus. All you need is a good merge patch and a good level list bash patch. Okay. That's it. Huh. Well, I mean, the the merge patch, that's what just allows you to, you're kind of grouping things together, reducing the total number of ESPs that you might have uh, in your load order, right? Is that correct? Can you rephrase the question? I lost you there. I was looking at the chat. See, this is why I'm not a live streamer, Stu. Oh, I yeah. I the chat and I lose train of thought. Okay. So <clears throat> I'm thinking... Uh, so I understand now what what the bash patch is. Mm-hmm. Um, the merge patch that that we're using just to eliminate the number of the the number of ESPs that we have in our load order, right? No, it, By actually, grouping them think together, think of it as conflict resolution. Oh, is that what it is? Yep. Okay. And that's why sometimes you may have had conflicts with 
AOS and it was causing a crash and throwing all these errors in your script logs yeah, or your logs in general, a merge patch may have resolved that. Huh. Because let's use Fallout New Vegas because that, that's the one that comes to mind most often. Okay. Fallout New Vegas had a mod called Weapon Mods Expanded. And if you tried to run Weapon Mods Expanded without running a merge patch, the game would crash. Really? Just outright crash because it was conflicting with so many things going on with just the base game and a few basic mods, it would crash right away. Hmm. You create a merge patch for it, conflicts are all kind of smoothed out a bit, everyone's getting to play well together, holding hands, singing kumbaya, and the game would run. <laughs> Without the merge patch, eh, not Really? Happening. Okay. It's conflict resolution. Okay, I get it. When I get, I think I get confused about that because when you, you and I were talking about that, I, I had created some merge patches. Some of them worked, some of them didn't. Um, but one of the things I did was successfully create a merge patch with all the various ESPs that uh, were created during my install of Enhanced Landscapes, which was, I think, probably seven, seven different ESPs. Those well, I got successfully into... A merge Those, patch. That's, this is terminology, and this is where there's a little bit of terminology issue. Okay. What you're talking about is merging ESPs. That's different than that's a merge different. patch? That's oh, different than a merge patch. Really? Yeah. Holy what hell. You'll, in this case, I think you're probably merging the... What tool did you use? Did you use the standalone? Yeah, I did. I used okay. that. A mod author by the name of Mator the Eternal has a standalone merge plugins application. Mm -hmm. And what this very powerful tool does is takes a number of ESPs that may have conflicts, may not, and stuffs them all together. And it can also take all the base assets from a mod and squish it all together with other mods. Okay. And that allows you to take all your weapon mods and squish them all together so you end up having one ESP and all the assets from all these different weapons, in other words, the meshes, the textures, the level list, all these other things, and squishes them all together into a merged ESP and one merged mod. A merge patch is a different beast. Okay. It's conflict resolution. All and right. that's where it gets a little confusing because people hear merge and merge. Yeah. So they're two different functions. A TS5 edit has a script that allows you to merge ESPs together into one ESP, but it can't take the base assets from the mod itself and make a new mod. So it's, it's okay. a little confusing because the same tool will do different things. And then you have another tool that can do multiple things. It's a little confusing, but yeah. you know, terminology merging plugins together is different than a merge patch. Hmm. I had no idea. I guess I I thought that we were talking about the same thing when we used that term. So this is yeah. this is excellent. Yeah, it's it's it it takes a little bit of time right. to get your head wrapped around all these different things because you know as you and I have talked privately, mod creators aren't the best explainers in the world. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. their documentation's a little lacking and a little unclear. 
but and then sometimes they they throw about terms that they all understand except for the layman who's left saying what 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 is that term why are they the same no they're not really the same they're mm-hmm. different because of this reason yeah Ooh, okay yeah so oh, okay, Mr. Mod Creator, I don't understand. You're right, that's a though. Really I mean, shot by the way on the lakeside with the fire going. Thank you. Yeah, that's Banders just having a picnic. He's going camping or something. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, we we were talking earlier about this as as a as a story creator. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't generally I don't bother myself with patching like that. Um. And I think even if I was playing for my own enjoyment, I don't I don't worry about things like bash patches and leveled lists and stuff like that because, you know, I'm I'm just I'm in my own head, you know, and I'm kind of self policing <laughs> in that way. And you know, sometimes there are times when uh, I come in, I'm playing a level one character, and bam, look at that! There's there's a whole suit of ebony. Sure, I'll take it and I'll play that way. Great. It's destiny, you know? I don't worry mm-hmm. about those kinds of things quite so much, especially if I'm telling a story as well, because at that point, um, I'm playing for the viewers as well, and they're kind of uh, living vicariously through whatever I'm doing in my story, and I'm telling the story the way that I want to author it, so I don't worry about it too much. But for people who are trying to experience Skyrim the way that it's supposed to be experienced when it comes to that technical stuff, I can see why they would want to do that. Now, with a bash patch... You've got to be pretty disciplined, though, right? I mean, any time you load a new mod and stuff, don't you have to generate a new patch? Yeah, absolutely. So you've got to be really on top of it. Yeah, you do. And that's where, you know, learning how to use your different patchers is an important thing. And I will get to that. But we haven't had a need for it yet. And, you know, I do everything kind of in a logical manner. We haven't had a need for things. In uh, what? The most recent one, um, episode 27, I, the soundtrack and music mods, or was it? I see, no, I can't remember. Um, no, it was audio overhaul for Skyrim. That video, I actually do merge some ESPs together, and I take the assets and put them together, and sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. If you're just making patches right, or taking all the patches and making it into one ESP, yeah, merging them together makes a lot of sense. But, you know, I try to introduce that in a general basis so that, you know, at some point, once you start adding in weapons and armors, yeah, you're going to need a merge patch and a bash patch to get them all to work together. Um, A bash patch most especially, but a, um, a merge patch, once you start getting into more and more complex mods, you start adding Frostfall and a bunch of other things. You're going to need a merge patch to make sure you get through all those different conflicts to make sure they all work together. Hmm. Well, yeah, that's kind of a, in, in a way, that's kind of a sinister thing, you know? I mean, <laughs> to be honest, I mean, for I, I played for probably a couple of years loading mods of all kinds, and it never occurred to me to sort of pay attention to when things were showing up or how much damage they were doing versus other weapons and stuff like that. So um, whenever I saw stuff, you know, about Rybash and Bash patches and all this stuff, I just kind of blew it off because to me it just wasn't a factor. And I, I think that's in part because 
my approach to Skyrim has always been I'm going in there to have an experience and um, I, there's certain things that I don't pay attention to. And, you know, the only yeah. time I look at my weapon and armor like uh, damage numbers and stuff like that is if I happen to be crafting at the time and I want to just get some confirmation that the improvements I'm making are having an impact somewhere. Otherwise, th- wow, that stuff never really occurs to me. So I think one of the things that we as as gamers probably need to think about is, you know, how important is this stuff to me really? Um, and am I the kind of person who feels like my game experience, my Skyrim experience would definitely benefit from having a bash patch, then by all means figure out how to do it and do it. But I think that uh, there's a lot of folks out there who probably wouldn't be impacted like that, you know, by that. So I, I think a person has to kind of take a pragmatic approach like we were talking about earlier to the mods that we run. And sometimes, you know, sometimes it's not worth it. You know, it just isn't mm-hmm. worth it. And you kind of have yeah. to balance that and decide what kind of experience do I have versus how much maintenance do I want to do and what can I live with and what can't I live with, you know? Exactly. So. But, you know, as far as my advice to anyone, if they're not running a merge patch, run a merge patch. You don't need to run a patch patch, excuse me, about, and if you're worried, if you're not worried about level lists and you're just playing the game for fun, if you're looking for immersion you need to have a bash patch but if you're having crashes of any type create a merge patch just run the basic merge patch put it at the end of your load order and see what happens mm-hmm. it will probably resolve the problem and i get asked for advice on oh my game's crashing and i say okay i'll take some time i'll look at it send me your load list mm-hmm. send me a load order and one of the first things i look is scanned all the way down the bottom of their 248 mod list and there's no merge patch. Mm-hmm. Where's your merge patch? I won't even I won't even look at anything else unless I see a merge patch. I don't have a merge patch. Have, I don't have one, need, Cal. You need one. I don't have but one. But you said you have any crashes. <laughs> you said early on in the stream you have any crashes. I'm having crashes. So, yeah, you need to you need to probably make one. They're easy to make. Yeah. Well, maybe that's uh that's the next thing on our agenda to to try make sure because uh, uh you know uh, one thing I've discovered is that um, no matter how much I learn, I'm never as smart as I think I am. And uh, there's always someone else who's dug into and understands a different aspect of this game than what I've dug into. And I think that's part of the reason why we're doing this. So right. I will be the, curious to see... The older we see... get, the more we realize, the less we know. Gosh, that's so true. Isn't that wise? That's true. <laughs> sounds so, so insightful. So much wisdom. <laughs> So much wisdom. And I'm a lot older than people think I am. So anyways, <laughs> uh, hey, let's let's go ahead and, you know, we've kind of getting towards the end of this. Yeah. Let's throw some questions, see if anyone's got any questions. I noticed that um, Rag Zero said, I still can't believe he isn't using an EMB preset. The game looks so good. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. It looks great. And this is proof that you don't need to have an ESP or an an E and B to make your game look good. You don't. Yeah. If you prefer, prefer performance over, you know, kind of a weird depth of field thing and God rays everywhere, well, you don't need one. Yeah. So let's see. Someone should make a list of all these people. I don't know what that refers to. Yeah, you sure need to either. do that. 
Um, but can I? There, Nerve wants to know if there's going to be more Fleet Featherstone in the future. Will the story continue? Uh, the story will not continue necessarily. Fleet will continue as a character through live stream. Uh, but I don't plan on picking up his story where it left off. What we will see is the the solo adventures of an older and wiser Fleet Featherstone. So that that is the plan there. More experienced Fleet Featherstone. Yeah, so my plan is to periodically live stream some gaming. Um, I'm still experimenting with getting that right. I, I did three hours the other night. I still don't think I got it quite right yet. But... Um, I just thought, you know, if I'm going to be playing the game and I'm playing it for fun and people are just following along and watching, I can't really tell a story in that mode. But what I could do is bring back a favorite character. And so we'll get to see some, you know, some adventures with Fleet, kind of having some different experiences. And this is also my opportunity to try some quest mods I've never tried before and things like that. So cool. don't, don't expect to see an Act 4, <clears throat> but you can expect to see more Fleet. So... Cool. Mm -hmm. Good, good. I'm admiring the Vivid Weathers Fog. Yeah, and that Volumetric Fog. Look at that. That's very cool. Yeah, it's so cool. Anyone else got any questions? Let's throw them once again out there. And if you have any questions or comments for Stu or myself, feel free to ask them. Now's the time to do it, guys. Yeah, if you got some questions about uh, mods, mod organizer, your setup, um, how to chase down any issues you're having, things like that, this is a great opportunity because that's what we're... That's what we're talking about right now. You want to talk about Enderall some more? <laughs> <laughs> Boy, yeah. Yeah, I oh mean... Oh, my uh, God, guys. If, if there's seven of you watching now, if, you, if you're looking at you know, a different Skyrim experience, uh, I just started playing Enderall, and it is already up on the Nexus, and all the instructions are on the Nexus and on the sureai.net site, and it'll tell you how to install it. And if you want to know even more about how to install it, I have a video coming out tomorrow morning on Enderall Installation Guide. And you can see that video and install it. But uh, cool. Enderall is a fantastic game. I, I encourage you to look at it. But um, it is it is a good one, Stu. I think that you should at least try it. I know you want to try it. And uh, hopefully you and the guys will enjoy that one. Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds really promising. I mean, it, it sounds to me like the sort of thing that, that I would like. I've been kicking around some ideas. Um, I, I saw you post something yesterday on Twitter about it, mm -hmm. and so I knew that you were digging into it and checking it out. So I had resolved to just kind of wait until uh, wait to hear what Cal's evaluation was uh, and then, uh, you know, base, <laughs> base my approach to Enderall on your recommendations, uh, primarily because I just want to make sure that I'm not doing anything uh, at this point that's going to potentially ruin my ability to continue my stories uh, as I've got them set up right now, because I've only begun to just make the profiles I need to get back in business. So, But uh, you've got something coming out tomorrow then, right? Yep, so that's, uh, that's installation great. guide on the basics of install, and then we integrate Mod Organizer into it. And then I create a parallel install of two different copies of Skyrim. One so you can continue to play Skyrim and then you make a copy of it and you can install Enderall onto that. I'll show you oh. how to do all that together and how to get Mod Organizer working on the new Enderall and all the restrictions of doing it that way. 
Okay. So we have another question from Rag Zero again. How can one make the game look like this and have some performance, comma, streamers question? I think I understand that. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it, the stream looks really good, Stu. I'm, I'm, I'm not looking at the, at the, uh, Skype feed. I'm looking just at the stream. I don't know your frame rate right now, what you've got going on. What do you, what are you running frame rate at? 720p. Uh, yeah. It looks pretty good. I haven't expanded. Let me expand it out and take a look at it. Yeah, a little pixelated, but it's a little blurry, but not bad. I mean, this... 720p for a stream is probably acceptable for most people if you don't have a super high latency, low ping um, internet connection. 720p is is probably fine for most streamers. If if you do have like that godlike T1 connection or fiber optic, you can run it at 1080p and stream it using a couple different tools. What what tool do you use to stream with? Well, I am using a, I'm using an Elgato external recording device. Um, mm-hmm. It's the uh, 60HD, I believe, is the the model. But uh, I have an external device just because I I wanted to try to keep my frame rates up, and that seemed like a smart way to do it. And then that that is coming out. Well, the game's coming out into the Elgato through HDMI, and then it's passing through into my MacBook um, via uh, USB 3. Okay. And then on the MacBook, I am recording and streaming and doing commentary through uh, Elgato's game capture software, which is serviceable. Um, Okay. I also have done some streaming through OBS, but I have not. The only problem I have with OBS is it's, 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 uh, you know, this open broadcasting software. It's it's open source. It's free. It's extremely powerful. We run all of our, all of our streamed podcasts off it with the green screen and all that stuff. But the one thing that it does not have is it it does not have the ability baked in to do auto ducking, and my game capture software does. And mm. by auto ducking, I mean, uh, dropping the game volume a few decibels when I'm speaking and then bringing it back up again. Right. Now, um, the game capture HD software that comes with my Elgato does that. It doesn't do it particularly well. It can be uh, a little bit jarring. Sometimes the sound, the sound fades out nicely, but comes back in abruptly and there's no way to control that. So, um, but it does allow me to to create videos very conveniently and have more control over the sound because the only other alternative I had prior to that was to record the audio separately and then try to marry it up with the game audio, you know, in my video production software and auto duck it there, which is a real it's just a huge pain. Right. Um so this allows me to produce videos much more quickly. Okay. But yeah, that you know, the game capture software that comes with it is is pretty serviceable. I'm hoping that over time they'll upgrade it and there'll be some improvements. There have been some updates recently that have made some improvements, but once I got everything set up, it's it's pretty much dead simple and it it's what allows me to do this. Um I could not I couldn't live stream I couldn't live stream without the Elgato because from my game laptop, I only have a Wi-Fi connection. 
So I this see. allows me to pump my game footage into a PC that has a wired connection and then stream from there. So, you know, yeah. OBS is a good tool. I've used it a little bit. Uh, I use it mostly for recording before I finally switched over to mm-hmm. Shadow Play. Okay. Uh, if you're looking for a highly advanced tool that has a lot of features for a streamer, I think OBS is a good choice because the way you can overlay images and kind of come in and out of a live stream and, and have little breaks and whatnot. Yeah. I think that Gopher uses OBS for his live streams, but there was another tool called XSplit that does the same thing. Uh, unfortunately, XSplit costs money. Right. Uh, the Elgato has that streaming feature that is serviceable, but it doesn't allow you to do the overlays and, and fade in and out of different the different images so you can't take breaks, you know, while throwing up an image easily. Yeah. Uh, Shadowplay has a streaming feature, but it is very bare bones. So the advantage is that it is high performance, so you can get very oh, good images out of it. Right. But you're not going to have any of the feature-rich things that, like, OBS or XSplit has. Yeah. So those are some, you know, suggestions. I don't do live streaming a lot. I kind of know how, basically. But that's just from experimentation. Um, so there's there's a good question. Thank you, Reg Zero. I'm sure that's some good insight there. Yeah. Uh, anyone else? Anyone got any more questions for Stu or myself? Or have we been going on? How long have we been going on for, Stu? How's, what's we our... have been going for two hours and 15 minutes. Oh, my God. Is that why my voice is kind of ragged? Because yeah, I, was doing recording, I know, right? Recording and editing all last night and then doing a... A podcast, my voice is just about at its reach here. Yeah, I think we so. could probably, uh, maybe we will we can break this thing up into uh, several different parts. And Well, maybe we should tell people what the plan is with this, actually, because there, there was a lot of really good discussion here, and I think uh, a, a lot of discussion that relates specifically to, to strategy that people can use for for getting set up. So maybe we should let people know what the plan is for this video. Right. <clears throat> My plan is I gotta I've gotta try and mate the two audios together because we had those I had an audio issue as well um right okay. after we figured out what was going on and oh, okay. I was getting some feedback. So I've gotta match up my audio with your audio, which I recorded via um shadow play, match them all up with the images that you've seen here. I'm gonna add some more images for every time we talk about a mod, I will flash those up. It's going to be kind of a highlight reel of some of the topics we discuss. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. You were planning on kind of breaking this up into two parts for a podcast and then putting it on the YouTube channel for you, right? Yeah, I wasn't exactly sure yet. Um, okay. I, I think um, the, the entire conversation, I think, is, is really good. And so my thought was, for YouTube anyway... To, to maybe break it up in into multiple parts, but I would like to just pull the audio from this and produce a a podcast with it for the podcast stream as well. Absolutely. That sounds so, great. Yeah. So I'll I'll try and it's gonna take me a while because obviously I've got some projects going on, but I think it's a good conversation to have on my channel as well because, you know, we do have different audiences. You mm-hmm. know, you have a lot of role play stuff. I have a lot of modding tutorials. So I want to focus the stuff that we talked about from a modding perspective and give them good information. So I think having two versions of the same thing is not a bad idea. 
No, I would agree. I would agree. So we'll we'll get it out. We'll get it out uh, in in multiple places. Um, you know, people can can hear maybe a more to the point and abridged version, or they can get the full meal deal, or they can hear it audio only. This is certainly great content to listen to while you're commuting and stuff too. So uh, we'll we'll get it out uh, any and every way we can, I guess. So sounds great. All right. Well, you know, it's it's a work in progress, Cal. So I think uh, for me, the next thing that I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to try to figure out this this merge patching issue and make sure I understand that and I'm doing it right and see if that clears up some of the issues mm. I've been having with uh, occasional crashes or infinite load screens. So let's, let's next see. I think I have, a, I have episode episode. 17 of my mod organizer for Fallout New Vegas, merge patches and bash patches. Okay. Episode 17 of that covers the basic information. There's not that much difference between FNV edit and TS5 edit, and there's not that much difference between Rybash and Ryflash. Okay. I'll give you the basics. So that's... I would say, you know, if you want to watch that, and there's also lots of other good information. I don't know if Michael from Gamer Poets has a video on merge patches. That may be a good, because, you know, he does the best in-depth videos out there for topics like this. Merge patch. Let's see. There is... A T, there is a Michael from Gamer Poets TES5 edit colon merge patch merged patch on YouTube. So, okay. Of course, you know, Michael is go. the best at stuff like that. That is what I'm going to do then. Yeah, he's got a he's got a pretty good uh, method for popping those things together. Easy to follow, tons and tons of resources, all that good stuff. So. Yeah, he's, he's the best at the little technical doodads and things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, for sure. All right. All right, everybody. Well, uh, you know, Cal and I need to get some sleep, I guess, and we're going we're gonna to sign off for tonight. But uh, thanks, everybody, f- you know, who attended. It was a small audience, but uh, this was kind of a very focused topic as well, too. So uh, we really do appreciate the questions. We appreciate the visit. And certainly uh, check out our channels here in the future. Look for this content coming out in pretty much any form you can imagine. So... Yeah, thanks for having me on again, Stu. It's always a pleasure, and it's good to talk to you. I'm sure we'll we'll get back into our private conversations where we can, you know, kind of do a little more free form. Yeah, it was a blast. So, uh, yeah, maybe we'll we'll connect up next week. I can let you know kind of what the results of my merge patch experimentation are like, and we go from there, onward and upward. All right, sounds good. And it looks like Vander is dancing us out. Dance, Vander, dance. Yes. <laughs> Well, good night, everybody. Thank you.